90 minutes for all those up Swindon fans. But you're not there yet. Hello and welcome to episode 48 of Together, a Brighton and Hove Albion podcast. Uh, I hope you're all well. Um, we are heading into an international break now, uh, which sucks because um, it feels like we've only just started, right? And then we've just got hammered off of Manchester City, which almost feels like a uh, like a freebie hit anyway. And then we've got to go and wait another week. So uh, the one good thing I can definitely take from it is that we have uh, another full week uh, of Potter training these people um, and getting them used to his system and getting them up to speed. Apologies if I'm sniffing a bit more than usual today. Uh, I've had a cold all week and uh, felt like crap for most of it, but I'm on the mend because I'm sure you care. Uh, but <laughs> let's get started, right? Uh, we've got a lot to go through today. Um, as you know, top five stories of the week by me, by yours truly. Um, and we did not struggle for content this week. Um, so, story number five, uh, Bristol Rovers away, um, little match review for you, I listened to the entire thing on audio, um, and then watched the result, uh, watched the highlights on the YouTube, I'm sure you probably did the same, um, but let's take a look at the good, the bad, and the stats, uh, we had 67% possession against Bristol Rovers at their place, uh, 26 shots to their three, but we only managed eight on target, uh, and two out of their three were on target, um, again, it just shows that ability to create a lot of chances in games this year, uh, and not yet convert them. Um, same goes for the City game later on. Uh, even against Bristol Rovers, this was a problem. We also gave away the ball quite easily. Uh, Bristol Rovers lost possession 27 times against us, uh, showing the press works, but we ended up losing it 24 times ourselves all over the pitch. Uh, if you look at the heat maps and the check marks uh, as to where we lost that ball, uh, it wasn't in any specific place, it was just everywhere. Um, to me, I wonder if that's just a lack of true match fitness shining through. Uh, there was an entirely changed 11, and most of them weren't uh, players that had even played a full game this year. So I'm wondering if that obviously comes into effect. You know, if you haven't played a proper game of football in four weeks, how are you going to... Um, just suddenly get used to it, right? Uh, 87% pass accuracy, 15 corners, uh, 29 successful aerial duels. Um, we dominated the game in pretty much every metric, uh, and we just about eked a win. So looking at the good, um, the first good is pretty obvious, I think, Aaron Connolly, right? Four shots, two on target, two key passes, uh, and this man only made 23 touches on Tuesday night. From 23 touches came four shots, two on target, two key passes, and a goal. Um, what more can you ask for from a young striker making a proper first-team debut, right? Um, who does that sound like? To me, 
uh, when I was looking at those stats and looking at the thing he did, um, the man mentoring him all game, apparently, uh, Glenn Murray. He he doesn't he's not always involved in games a great deal and yet brings out the gods uh, and Connolly doing the same. Um, good day out for Alzate too. Uh, first, he played at right wing back and then moved to centre midfielder uh, and played a major role in the winner, right? Uh, two key passes, 94% pass accuracy. Uh, played way above the Bristol Rovers levels, like players level. Um, he was a pretty severe driving force in the team. Uh, to me, you've just got to think of him as one of those players that sooner or later will be forcing his way into the uh, 18 um, on a match day because he is truly excellent. Um, the only thing that's probably going to hold him back is Bissouma getting fit again, right? He's Bissouma is that good. Uh, levels above Alzate right now. Um, also getting valuable minutes under the belt. Uh, Webster, Bernardo, Moy, Alireza, Bong. Uh, 11 changes was a big call, but it was obviously the right one because we won. Um, and it was even more valuable um, because Webster and Bernardo got into the 11 this weekend and getting that run out in the week obviously benefited them. Um, so moving on to the bad, uh, this one probably as obvious as the good being Connolly. Uh, Ali Razor, um, unfortunately, if there was ever a time for him to shine, it was Tuesday night against Bristol Rovers. Um, I believe at the beginning, uh, people thought he may well be playing right wing back. Uh, but if you look at his heat map, he was quite clearly the right forward in this game. Uh, the role that many people, including myself, have noted is, is his natural position. Um, the one he tore defences apart in, in the Dutch league. Uh, and this was not his night at all. 65.1% uh, pass accuracy, lowest on the team. Seven shots, none of them on target. 71 touches. Uh, one key pass, offside twice. We were only offside five times, and he was two of them. Um, it was a very bad night at the office for Ali Razor. Uh, and to me, the only way is up for him now. Um, he is about as rock bottom as it gets on value. Uh, being our worst player away at Bristol Rovers um, with under-23s in the team, uh, this is probably the lowest his stock gets. Uh, there is only one way to go, hopefully. Um, and hopefully he can do it, right? He chose to stay here, apparently, uh, despite options to move. So, fingers crossed, he can he can produce the goods. Um, so, moving on to uh, story number four. Um, Berry Football Club. Uh, they were founded on the 24th of April, 1885. Uh, Aidan Arrowsmith, a local enthusiast, brokered two meetings between church teams. They were called Berry Wesleyans and Berry Unitarians. Uh, they were playing at the Wagon and Horses Hotel and the White Horse Hotel. Uh, it was agreed from the outset that the team should be professional when they decided to bring the team together. Uh, the FA had re recently legitimised professionalism, um, but it was still a pretty controversial topic in terms of football, which is weird, isn't it? Um, ahead of the 1885-86 season, uh, the club leased a plot of land on Gig Lane from the Earl of Derby's estate. On the 12th of September 1885, the first match played there was a friendly against a team from Wigan and Bury 1-4-3. Um, on August 27th, 2019, Bury ceased to exist. Um, it makes me sick to my stomach. It should make you sick to your stomach too. Um, because this was us 22 years ago. We were looking into the abyss. We clawed our way out. Uh, not due to some miracle, 
Um, we just got lucky. We drew a game at Hereford 1-1 to keep us in the Football League. Um, and the hard work of the fans, the hard work of the board, the new board with Dick Knight at its helm, uh, and the hard work of all those thereafter came from one lucky result. Uh, this week, Berry's luck ran out. Fans United in 1997, uh, made by, well, formed kind of by a Plymouth fans idea, said this kind of situation should never be allowed to happen again. Uh, we should work to ensure we have rules against scumbags, money men, asset strippers. Uh, this is not new. This, this kind of situation should never be allowed to happen. Um, and the Football League actually said we should have ways to stop these people, uh, now known as the EFL. Um, but what has really changed since 1997, truly? Uh, absolutely nothing. The EFL are still one of the most incompetent, spineless pieces of dirt uh, in this sport, in any sport. Um, they're happy to pile on the punishment when a fan runs on the pitch uh, or celebrating a club's fortunes, but they're never there when the going truly gets tough. Brighton, Charlton, Plymouth, Notts County, Bolton, Berry, Leeds, Villa, Newcastle, uh, Macclesfield, Rotherham. That there are many and many of them that are problems. Uh, institutions that have been around this league, like them or not, uh, for over a century. And they are at the mercy of businessmen out to make a quick buck. Uh, we're not a thought, not a single thought to the thousands of fans they're ripping the soul from in the process. Uh, I truly despise these people. Um... And I would happily give Steve Dale and his ilk a good kicking had they missed, had they had the misfortune of sharing in a dark alleyway with fans in the middle of the night. Uh, and I'm sure that I'm not the only one. Um, but these parasites, uh, these cancers only form when they're allowed to. And it's allowed to happen because the EFL are inept. Uh, the fit, fit and proper test. So they brought the fit and proper test in, in 2011, I think, 2012. Uh, what does it even mean? Um, here's the disqualifying events. I found it. Here are the disqualifying events uh, from stopping a businessman buying um, a club. Uh, they are banned if they have power or influence over another football league club. Not true, because they allowed Watford to be bought. They hold a significant interest in another football league club. They become prohibited by law from being a director. They are filing for bankruptcy. They have been a director of a club while it has suffered two or more unconnected events of insolvency, and they have been a director of two or more clubs of which, while they have been director, have suffered an insolvency. Uh, Executive Chair Debbie Jevons, you're never going to listen to this. I know you're not. Why would you? I'm a small Brighton and Ove Albion podcast uh, that caters to anything that isn't EFL right now. Um, but the blood is on your hands. Uh, you share in the murder of Barry FC, you share the responsibility for the possible demise of Bolton Wanderers before they are able to be bought out this week. Um, you allowed these scumbags to take over the club. And frankly, how are we how are we ever supposed to implement a true fit and proper test when the people running this organization called the EFL aren't able to identify a fit and proper executive chair or even just a board themselves? Uh, within 15 minutes of basic internet searching on Steve Dale, who is the killer of Berry FC, and the previous owner, Stuart Day, who got him into this mess, I can see they're unfit to own a football club. Their past is littered with failures, sketchy businesses, hapless management, bankruptcies, dodgy deals. How are these people allowed to buy sacred institutions? But, hey, it's okay, because... They both messed this one up. They won't be allowed to destroy another club, according to the rules of the EFL. Thank God, eh?
talk about VAR and these new rules ruining the spirit of the game. The soul of the game we all love is being drained from it as we speak by the organisation that's supposed to run it. Uh, personally, I look forward to the Phoenix Club. I hope there is something Fans United can do once again to build them up uh, and bring them back to a football league that will truly be lesser without them. Um, and truly, I wish nothing but horrible luck and horrible lifestyles for those people on the EFL that allowed this to happen. Uh, from me to you, a big F off. And I would say it properly if this was not a clean podcast. So moving on. Uh, thank you for listening if you did. Story number three. Uh, Jürgen Lacardia. Uh, this one's a big one, right? Um, for us. Uh, Hoffenheim have signed Lacardia on loan for the rest of the season. Um, to me, it was unexpected, both due to his role in the team early days this year, and it was kind of expected because he's still not been that good. <laughs> um, Hoffenheim itself, though, is a really interesting move. Um, this is a team over the past three years that have finished third, fourth, and ninth in the Bundesliga. Uh, they lost their manager, uh, Nagelsmann, Nagelsmann, who is an absolutely fantastic manager, by the way. Uh, and coupled with that major European football they were getting for the very first time ever by finishing so high in the German league, uh, it took its toll, put them in the mid-table finish of ninth place. Um, it goes to show that the Bundesliga is just as uh, susceptible for those, to those things as the English league. Uh, beware Wolves, beware Burnley, beware Birmingham, Newcastle, all the ones that come before them. Uh, my biggest question is that... Uh, if Lacardia is the answer to a team um, that surely must be looking to finish in a top six spot again this year, right? With the league to focus on. Um, I'm interested to see how that's going to work out because he's not been doing the business for us at the bottom of the prem. Um, it is worth noting that the current manager is uh, Dutchman Alfred Schrader. Schroeder. Um, I don't know whether it's the fellow Dutchman effect, uh, does he know something we don't? Uh, I looked at his history, he hasn't ever managed Lacardia before, he has had very brief run-ins with him during his management career, he may have seen him play once or twice, um, I'm intrigued to see what the, what the connection there was, or if there even was one. Um, it's a man that we definitely should be keeping tabs on though, uh, because I'm really interested to see how he does in the Bundesliga, a league that is uh, most commonly compared to the Premier League, right? It's definitely one of those leagues that is, uh, on the style of play, thought to be the most similar to the Prem. So I'm intrigued to see how this goes. Um, on the bright side, though, it does open an opportunity for Ali Razor. Like I said, his stock is about as low as it gets. Um, it's a good opportunity for him now uh, and Connolly. Um, who both featured Tuesday, and of course, we'll get to Connolly's week a little bit sooner, uh, because we're going to move on to story number two. Um, story number two, Manchester City, right? We played them this weekend. Um, so we have stats, good and bad. Um, so let's hit it. Uh, the statistics, 54 to 45% possession. Uh, big upgrade on the 20% we had last year. Um, I'm kind of confused by the 54 and 45 uh, never mind, it was 54 point something and 45 point something. I'll cut that out. I won't. Uh, big upgrade on the 20% we had last year, of course. Um, 89 to 86% pass accuracy. Um, people were concerned on Twitter at the time, um, and not just on Twitter, on a diff bunch of different platforms, that one mistake playing out of the back would cost us. 
uh, well, we made zero mistakes playing out the back and we lost 4-0. <laughs> Them's are the breaks, I suppose. Uh, we had six shots, two on target. Um, they only had six on target and they scored four. Uh, what can you do, right? Uh, giving away possession on the counter. Uh, given, the giving away possession counter is interesting reading. Um, whoscored.com follows that uh, as to when you're giving away possession without needing to. Uh, Brighton gave it away 23 times and City 22. Uh, we executed a very clear game plan to me uh, that Potter had and that was that was to beat the press, try and get the ball into the box, whether it's low or high, didn't really matter, and take the chances we had. We pretty much did exactly what he wanted us to do. Um, and unfortunately, we just happened to run into the best team in the world. Uh, and we didn't finish the chances we had. Um, but even if we did finish the chances we had, we were on a highway to nowhere, really, because we would have scored two, maybe three at best. Um, and they still scored four, so, you know. Um, moving on to the good, though, uh, I would honestly, um, and I tweeted this yesterday, and it got a lot of traffic, so obviously I'm not the only one who thinks it, but it was probably the best 4-0 defeat I've ever seen us have. Um, I thought we looked excellent despite the defeat. Like I said, we came with a plan, we executed the plan, um, and unfortunately, Pep Guardiola's quite glaring, your glaringly obvious observation uh, was entirely correct. They have the best players in the world, uh, and those players score 90% of the big chances they create, and ours don't. Um, but the good is that they will against worse opposition. Um, we will score goals against worse opposition than this, and can you think of any better opposition we'll play this year again? Uh, like, barring Liverpool, there is nobody else. And frankly, Liverpool are not the defensive team they were last year. Without Allison, um, they look a severely under... Under... I've lost my word. But they look severely malnourished back there. Um, Adrian is not... Cannot hold a candle to Allison. Um, for a debut, I thought Webster was excellent. Saw a couple of people on Twitter disagree with me, so I'm sure you won't like that output. Uh, 89 touches of the ball. Only Dunk had more. 89% um, pass accuracy, one of the highest on the team. Um, thought he made an excellent run forward. Uh, caused Laporte to nail him so hard he got himself sent to hospital. Uh, bad for the champions, not bad for us. Um, thought thought Webster was very good. Um, it was obviously a huge news story at the beginning of the game um, that we had dropped Shane Duffy, someone who had always been one of the first names on the team sheet. But guess who called that? Me, a couple of weeks ago. That's who. Spoiler alert. I said that he was the weakest of the three. He cannot play the ball out as well as the other two. So I think that I think that Webster may well uh, be coming into the team a lot more often. Um, horses for courses, right? Uh, it just depends on whether he's going to be the man that they think can go forward uh, against these slightly more physical teams. We'll see. Um, thought our man of the match was Montoya today, actually. Um, I thought he played some excellent passes out one on the counter. Uh, he opened up the space. Unreal. Um, he made a couple of diagonal passes uh, or switches that were just beautiful. Um, kept that side well marshaled, forced some central. Of course, the only problem was uh, that they're deadly centrally too, <laughs> right? Um, five tackles, one interception, two clearances. Uh, better defensively than anybody else on the team. Um, and Sterling, for the most part, was kept entirely quiet. Uh, one of the best players in the world was kept totally quiet by Montoya. Uh and for that reason, he has to be my man of the match. There, yes, Aguero was on fire. Um, 
that's not Montoya's fault. Uh, I thought he did his job um, exceptionally well. Um, Trossard and Morpai uh, already seem to be adapting a very good chemistry. Um, and of course, the debut by Connolly. Aaron Connolly went from scoring the winner against Bristol Rovers this week to making his debut at the he- at the Etihad with 20 minutes to go. Um, awesome. So happy to see it. Can't believe we're seeing it, actually. Um, it kind of blows my mind that uh, <laughs> we're watching um, a youth product actually come through and make a debut in the Premier League, uh, let alone against the best team in the world or one of the best teams in the world. Uh, was absolutely brilliant. Um, the bad, obviously losing 4-0, right? Nobody wants to get beat 4-0. Uh, and Davy Proper being outpaced by David Silva within the first 60 seconds is probably the most embarrassing thing I've ever seen uh, from an Albion player in the Premier League. It was that bad. Um, quite how you're being outpaced by David Silva is unbelievable. Um, felt our worst defender was dunked today, actually. Uh his stats back it up to not that I'd realized it until I checked, but his stats were really poor. He also picked up a bucking for descent as well, uh, I believe, which is even more annoying, such a waste of a yellow card. Um, but at the same time, playing in the middle of the three, uh, today was a rough day for him. Um, he was left to worry about Sergio Aguero, uh, Kevin De Bruyne and David Silva. Um, so I'm not going to be too critical of him because he was left defending against those sort of players. Um, and when Proper and Stevens were not at their best, uh, it shows exactly just how much trouble Dunk had today. Um, but overall, uh, I think we have a lot of reasons to be cheerful. Um, this first four games, we've came out with four points. Uh, disappointing, I think you can agree that we should have had more, um, I hope it doesn't come back to bite us at the end of the season. We've dropped a bunch of points that we shouldn't have dropped. Um, In all realistic, genuinely, we should probably be on nine or seven right now. Um, Nine, frankly. Uh, I I think if Andone hadn't have done what he did, he would never have been sent off uh, and we would have won the game. Um, and we should have finished our chances against West Ham, and that would have been nine points, and of course we'd have got hammered today, yesterday regardless. Um, So I think you can look at it as quite a lot of points dropped, um, but it could be a lot worse, and we have a couple of games to really build on coming out of this uh, after the international break, so we shall see. Uh, Brighton under Hewton traditionally um, bounced back from the international break incredibly badly, Uh, So it'll be interesting to see how Potter's Brighton reacts to an international break. Um, In theory, they should react excellently, right? They've had a bit of rest um, and they've had two more weeks to continue to adapt this style of play that is so vastly different to the one that just left. Um, So we shall see. just a quick thing on VAR today as well, uh, because I was talking about Andone sending off. Uh, Yuri Tieleman, Tielemans, Tielemans, uh at Leicester uh, committed a absolutely horror tackle. Um, it was pretty much exactly the same as Andone's, except instead of trying to break the shin, uh, he went all in on snapping the ankle into a million pieces. Um, absolutely horrific challenge, truly. Uh, VAR took a look at it and said all was good, because uh, the ref didn't say anything, so... Um, VAR once again being used uh, to not w- rule out clear and obvious errors, um, but to simply uh, corroborate with a terrible referee. Um, and if you took a look today at Kevin Friend, 
Uh, I'm sorry that you had to watch that piece of shit because I didn't enjoy it either. Uh, 80, 96 minutes in, Aston Villa score a goal. Uh, it's taken back because Jack Grealish apparently dived um, before the goal was scored. Uh, he was actually fouled twice um, before he went down. Um, and you could make the argument that either one of them took him down on momentum. Um, but it doesn't matter because they scored the goal and the goal was perfectly good. Uh, Kevin Friend brought it back for the dive. VAR took a look at it uh, and VAR ruled that Kevin Friend was in the right. Um, so again, this is a uh, an old boys club right now. VAR is continuing to break the game. Um, it's cost Villa points today and it's cost Bournemouth points today because I'm sure that if Leicester were down to 10 men, uh, the result would be different. But like I said... It's going to be every week we can have the big... We had a big discussion about it last week. The uh, the input I got from all of you, that was the word I was looking for, was absolutely fantastic. Um, but it's going to be something we can talk about every week. It is that bad right now. Um, so what are you supposed to do? Uh, moving on to the final story of the week. Number one story of the week, Burnley. Uh, and the international break. So we now have four games to look at for some data. So we have some stuff to know what kind of Burnley side will be coming to the Amex. Uh, their formation uh, over the last four games, 4-4-2. Four, four, played four, scored five, conceded six. Bear in mind, three of those conceded were against Liverpool this weekend. So they are not an easy team to score against otherwise. Uh, very strong side. Um, and they seem to be back to that kind of top 12 side we saw a couple of years ago. Uh, now they are free from the Europa League um, ball and chain around them. Uh, 12 shots per game, 41% possession. Uh, they are very comfortable without the ball. Um, it's going to be something that Potter will have to have a think about, and I'm sure he will over the next two weeks. 61.1% uh, pass accuracy uh, and three yellow cards. They are not the most effective team on the ball at all. Uh, they're incredibly weak against long shots. Uh, they have a back line and midfield that can be, on their day, riddled with individual errors. Uh, the more possession they have, obviously the less problems they face, but they don't have a lot of possession. And against us, um, you would expect them not to have a lot of possession at all uh, under the new look Potter style. Um, so they're danger men. Uh, I've identified their top three men we have to be uh, very wary of. Uh, James Chuck Tarkovsky. Um, their centre-half, he is very much starting to get back to his best as well. Um, a very good centre-half in this division. Someone I put in the exact same tier list as Lewis Dunk. Uh, I really, really rate him. Um, Morpai, Trossard, et al. will have to be at their very best to get goals against Burnley. Um, the one positive is that it's probably very unlikely we're going to start whipping balls in high. Um, so the Burnley defence will probably struggle with it being played around them on the floor. Uh, Goodmanson I'm a massive fan of Goodmanson um, he is a set piece and creative monster um, probably one of the most underrated players in the Premier League in my opinion um, he played three games this year already one goal, 2.3 key passes per game um, he will be a danger to us on the break he will be a danger to us whipping balls into the middle he will be a danger to us on set pieces um, he is going to be a problem for us all day if we don't keep him quiet uh, so it's going to be part of the game plan is going to have to be keeping Goodmanson um, away from those rampaging runs out wide. Uh, and finally, the obvious one, um, I'm sure that everybody saw coming is Ashley Barnes. 
he has been an absolute enigma so far for this season for Burnley, my goodness. Uh, carrying on the form he left with last year. Uh, what a player he has become. I still have a shirt with his name on it. Uh, I was proper heartbroken when he left. Gutted me. I It still blows my mind that some people still truly believe he isn't good enough for us, despite his Premier League record at this point. Uh, and you're probably saying, how... Who is it? Who doesn't think he's good enough? Go online. There's plenty of people. And I know online doesn't breed the smartest bunch, but there are still people that truly believe it. Uh, four appearances, four goals, one man of the match of performance. Uh, he can and will create something out of absolutely nothing to get them a goal. Uh, he will aggravate defenses all game long. Um, and I'm wondering if it's someone like Duffy that would do a job on him more than anybody else. Uh, it will be interesting to see. So, my 11, personally, uh, I think Ryan and goal. Obviously, uh, he's pretty much the first name on the team sheet these days because I don't trust any of the other keepers. Uh, Montoya at right wing back. Um, Duncan Byrne retain. Uh, and I think Duffy comes in. Um, I said earlier, horses for courses. And I think that Duffy is the horse for the course of Burnley. Uh, they're a very physical side, they're a very uh, nasty side up front, and I think that Duffy is, it's his bread and butter to play that kind of game. So I think he may well be the man that starts. Uh, Proper and Stevens in the midfield, of course, and Trossard, Morpai, and Glenn Murray up top. Uh, again, I think Murray is exactly the kind of physical, uh, harsh player we should be playing up top to give them multiple things to worry about, uh, to have Trossard and Morpai up there with him, and Murray as well leading the line. Uh, I think that gives them plenty of problems to worry about and plenty of issues to keep them very much occupied. Uh, and with a front three and wingbacks coming forward, we are going to outnumber uh, that Burnley team in a 4-4-2 if they line up that way. Um, it's kind of one of the benefits of the 3-2-5 the thing that he's doing when we attack <laughs> um it's going to be interesting to see how that works out but that's my 11 um i think probably the most exciting thing pre-game uh with the new brighton is that you never never know what the 11 is going to look like so uh this first 11 prediction actually means something now uh because it's not this you know Last year, whenever you, I was reading out a possible 11, we all knew that that was going to be the exact 11 that came out because it's always the same. Um, but you never know this year. Uh, Duffy out and Webster in this week was a massive call. Um, and to me, it was a good one. Uh, but you never know. So on to the result. Um, I think we need to win this one. Um, it's harsh, but it's true. Uh, and they're a very good side. But I really think that we need it to keep that belief going uh, under Potter. Uh, and I think we can win it. Uh, one or two nil would be perfect. Um, this is Andone's last game to be out of the side banned. Annoying because this is the kind of game he would be perfect for as well. Um, but that's it. That's all I have time for. Um, have an excellent international week. I will be back next week. Do not panic. I am here. Um, but... Yeah, enjoy your week uh, for the Americans listening. Enjoy your long weekend. Um, and I will see you all next week for episode 49. Uh, and again, be safe.